And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. As you can see, we have a full complement today with Michael, Adam, Mary, and myself. We're going to dive into some feature highlights, including the order approval wizard uh, and the payment online. You can literally set up Service Monster for exterior cleaning to never have to interact with your client in a physical, you know, being there kind of way. We're going to talk about some mobile releases, desktop release that just came out last week. And we've got some pretty in-depth smug posts covering a couple questions from our users. But before we get to all that, Adam, what are we talking about today? Yes, we were kind of mulling this over with the team this week, and we kind of wanted to talk about uh, providing phenomenal customer support. That's something that the Service Monster has kind of um, prided itself on since inception, even when it was just you and Eric kind of answering the calls. Um, But I think it's something that, especially in a service-oriented industry, which most of our listeners will be in, uh, if not all of them, um, it's definitely something that you can use to set yourself apart from, from your competitors. So I think really the place to start is, you know, what, what do we mean by phenomenal customer support? What does that actually entail? We can start with the basics, right? I mean, in order to be an all-star service provider, it's actually a really low bar. Um, show up on time, answer your phone be clean and presentable. Your equipment is clean and presentable. You care about your customers' concerns and you address them as quickly as possible. You admit when things don't go your way and help to make that right by the client. Um, You have honesty, integrity, and you you demonstrate that. Um, Some empathy for the client. And, uh, you know, you just cover that list and you will be so far ahead of the competition that adding more to that is just going to be icing on the cake. So really good customer support um, tackles probably the hardest parts of when things go wrong. It's easy to say you've got great customer support when everything goes right. When uh, you you go in and you do the job and they love you and they write a check and then you leave. And we've talked about here not being transactional, making sure that you have good follow-up, that you're uh, re-engaging that client at a later date. But it's really when things go bad that can make all the difference. Now, again, I don't want to underemphasize that list of those basic things doing those things will continually set you apart from your client or from your competitors. But when something goes wrong, when you really show that empathy and you take care of their concerns, that's what's really going to make the biggest difference. Now, I'm not saying that you have to kowtow, right? The customer's always right. We know is, is a trope. That's, that's not true. The customer is not always right. And you have to do what's good for the company. And we've talked about this before. You have to do what's good for your employees. You know, if you have a customer that's truly toxic, you don't want your employees to have to deal with them just because you want to make a buck. Uh, But at the same time, knowing that when the company didn't do something quite right, how can you, A, make sure that that client's needs are addressed and B, put things in place to make sure that that kind of stuff won't happen again. It's something we spend a lot of time here at Service Monster. Um, 
But man, answering the phone, having a pleasant conversation and engaging them on their needs, not you trying to sell them something, that's a big, big part of the game. Yeah, I think two of the things you pointed out there are just so critically important just in general, you know, face-to-face, you know, human interactions, right? People want to have their thoughts, you know, listened to. I used to work for a a big corporate company. We won't talk about it because it's whatever, but um, they had an acronym, right? And it was really stupid when you're, when you're testing things out, what each of these things meant. But the one thing they always focused on was actually listening. You'd be shocked. A lot of, you know, I'll just say conflicts in general um, with the, the client, the concerns that they might have, they're not necessarily looking for you to come out and redo the work. In some cases, sure, they might be, but a lot of times they just want to be heard. They want to feel like, you know, you're taking their concerns seriously and they might just want to make sure that you don't do this in the future. Like what, what Joe was talking about. It's like, listen, I don't need you to come back out here. The floors look great outside of this little area. I can, I can cover that. If you want to give me a credit, that's great. Um, Cause that'll make me feel like you took care of me. Right. But the bigger thing is I want to make sure this doesn't happen in the future because I want to trust you to come out here and you might've lost that customer already. You don't necessarily know that, you know, it'll, how you handle the situation will probably go a long ways in knowing if you keep them or not. Um, but it's just really understanding what their actual problem is. And on the flip side, sometimes, you know, the whole going above and beyond, we hear that all the time, right? But a lot of times when someone asks, calls and asks a, a question, like maybe they just have a simple question about the fabric of their rugs or their 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 carpet or whatever, and you could simply just answer that question, right? And And the, and the call would be done. Maybe that's all they're looking for is they just want to have a, a super quick quote and they want to have a couple of questions on that particular cleaning surface. What if what they're really trying to dive into, they don't know how to express, right? Maybe you could be asking them like if they're looking to be doing a carpet replacement, right? If they're trying to, to upgrade to something more modern, are they just really concerned about you know hardwood versus carpet? You know, you have this expertise of just years of knowledge that you, you know, it's just just in here. And sometimes if you kind of dig a little bit and make sure that what the actual problem is gets solved, that'll go a long ways in how they view you and your company. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that can go understated. Um, and we do a lot of that at service monster, but even then if someone calls up and they're kind of not happy about a situation and, um, our customer support tries to help them through that. Um, they may or may not feel like they're being heard. Our support agents actively try uh, to engage in that way. But I don't know how many times people just shoot me a DM on Facebook. Hey, Joe, I just want to make you aware of this situation. And maybe they've never had an interaction with me before. And I come back usually really quickly, whether it's 11 o'clock at night or you know during work hours and say, wow, I'm, I'm sorry you experienced that. Um, I will certainly talk to my staff about it. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to backpedal. I'm not trying to tell them that they were wrong. Um, I'm simply acknowledging that I heard what they said. And, you know, I'm accepting responsibility for their experience. And 90% of the time that completely disarms them. They're like, they come back maybe an hour later and go, you know what? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's not really that big of a deal, but, you know, I appreciate you taking the time and And then, uh, you know, even more so when, let's say, two weeks later, we come out with a release which addresses um, their issue. 
um, that that's just phenomenal level support there. So being there for them, like if they can pick up the phone and call our support team and get a real person in a, you know, in, in under 30 seconds, um, I mean, from our point of view, our competitors just don't do that at all, right? You get maybe chat bubbles or you get email. Um, but the fact that we're there to listen to them on the phone and try to work through their problems, that's unheard of in a CRM company. And that's something that we will always spend that money to ensure because we want to have that level of customer support. And we just today, we got a kudos from, from a, a cleaning company who said, you know, wow, I, I barely noticed that you guys all work from home now. The, the level of support has not faltered um, because it's such a cornerstone. We say SaaS, which is kind of the blanket industry that Service Monster is software as a service. Yeah, the software comes first because that's the product. But we take that service part really seriously. And when you do that as a service provider, service provider, your service is first, um, people are going to notice because uh, your competitors aren't really doing that. Most of them are highly transactional. They just want to get in, do the work, get the paycheck and get out. They're not too concerned about repeat rate. They're not staying in touch with their clients uh, on any kind of consistent or regular or intentional basis. Um, and it's leaving an opportunity for you to do just that little bit more and really keep them a client for life. And those second, third, and fourth visits are going to be far more profitable than that first one every time. Yeah, I think this really ties into this idea of building that into your culture from the beginning. Um, you know, who you want to be, who, like how you want to represent yourself as a company, right? It, like you always joke about, well, not joke, you always say, Joe, that like, you know, no matter what happens, it all falls on me, essentially. And it's sort of that idea of, if, okay, well, I want this to be a part of this culture now that this is what our customers see that we care about. And it's a lot easier to start doing that from the beginning than it is to grow, maybe even unexpectedly sometimes, you know, hire a bunch of employees quickly. And then later down the road, be like, oh, we need to actually, you know, care about these things because you haven't really instilled that from the beginning. It's going to be a much harder transition. So how did, how did you guys, or what's a good way for kind of an owner to kind of really, I guess, make it clear that this is something that's important um, moving forward once you're hired? Communication is key, right? Something Michael will continually point out, um, proper messaging and communication. So um, when service providers, whether they're software service providers or you're, you know, a cleaning company, um, from day one, making sure that you make the time to make that important, whether you're wrapping up your day at four o'clock, making follow-up phone calls to make sure things went the way your customers expected, or, you know, you're taking the time to answer the phone and really be there if a customer calls up and has an issue or even pre-sale, right? As an owner operator, it's tough because you're going to be on site some of the times when that phone rings. And you don't necessarily want to divert your attention to your current client to handle somebody who's on the phone. Um, but caring enough to make sure you follow up with everybody as quickly as possible, that's important. And if you're intentional about that, then as you get employees, not only can you speak to that, but you can model that behavior. 
to make sure that your first customer service rep, that your first technician sees you paying attention to that on a regular basis. They know that it's important and making that a cornerstone of, you know, the review process and the language within your company. I mean, we spend so much time at Service Monster talking about how much we care about the client, whether it's driving new product direction, um, addressing concerns or friction points, um, or, you know, something internally that we don't have a process for that a customer either slips through the cracks or something doesn't go quite right. And then we take the time to talk about how we can prevent those kind of things from happening in the future, create SOPs or language or messaging around those things, and then just making it a focal point. So it's more than just the technical work. It's more than just the systems. It's more than just going and doing the work and getting paid. Um, it's, it's really understanding that customer support is a huge part of your business. And if you neglect it, you will fail to thrive. Yeah, I think to a really key thing I noticed almost from the get go here compared to other call centers I've either worked at or been involved with um, is you want to make sure that your employees are happy. I know that's kind of a general statement um, that can encompass a lot of different things, right? You know, everyone has their own life struggles or anything that they're going through. But if, you know, you show that you're making the employees a priority, like, um, you know, maybe this particular rate might pay more than maybe your, some of your competitors because you value someone who's going to be there and you don't want the churn, right? You don't, you don't necessarily want someone seasonal. You want someone who's there for a while. Maybe you, you were doing certain actions to make sure they're not overloaded at work. Maybe that, um, you know, you're taking on additional work to make sure that they're not stressed, um, making sure that, you know, you're keeping them accountable. Yes, but that you're not, um, you know, driving them to a point of, of a burnout, um, just kind of things like that. And it, it can be as silly as, you know, just making sure that you have a nice kind of uh, rapport with your employees, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, typical banter or anything like that, but just making sure that they're comfortable, you know, when you're around, when the boss walks in, does everyone freeze or is it kind of just a natural thing? And, you know, like, yeah, they respect you, you're the owner. Um, and so forth, but that, you know, they can come and talk to you and they can bring up issues and they can, things like that go a long ways in how they're going to sound on the phone. Right. So. And being proactive too, like regularly asking people, Hey, what roadblocks are in your way? How can we help, you know, clear obstacles? What struggles do you have? I mean, cause sometimes it's easy to throw cash at a problem. Um, maybe a tool is what they need to make their job easier. Uh, maybe it's a process because they're unclear about something. People don't like to operate under a fog of war. Uh, so if they know what's expected of them now, you know, sometimes you got to throw people in the fire and kind of let them figure their own way through a process, but then you put bumper cars in place, your know, bumper cars, you put the bumpers in place, you know, like, uh, on your bowling alley to make sure that, um, you know, they can carve their own path, but at the same time, you're kind of keeping them within uh, the lane, so to speak. So they're headed in the right direction. And that North Star, right? Again, Simon Sinek, start with why, making sure everybody understands, like, why are we even doing this, right? Is it just to make cash for the company or are we trying to make people's lives better in some way? Again, Service Monster is all about helping these small business owners get grasp and a foothold and control of their business 
understanding their numbers and metrics so that they can make the right decisions for the health of the company, um, making sure that the end user, those people getting the service from the service provider have a great experience. So for us, it's pretty easy. Um, but for a service provider, making sure you map that out beyond the, yeah, we're just going to clean the carpets and get paid. We're just going to scrub the windows and get paid. Um, that, that means a lot. And, and having that situation set up so that the employees are happy and fulfilled working in that environment, that will then spill over to great customer support. You know, if somebody's pissed off and just angsty all the time and they, they're answering the phone, that's not somebody that you want typically, you know, <clears throat> having those conversations. And sometimes they'll be angsty because you're the asshat, because you're creating friction in the company that causes unrest. Um, so being mindful of that is really important. Yeah, I think uh, a really interesting um, point too is that you want to make sure that the why you kind of say, um, or the the actions you create, the processes you create are not missing the point. It's kind of like we talked, I don't know if it was last week or a few weeks back, we talked about with commissions. If, if all you do is um, portray that, hey, you know, you need to be upselling because if you, if you upsell, you're going to get this massive commission spike. Yeah, but you don't actually coach like, you know, how to, how to go about doing that, why it's important. And also, you know, making sure that you're you know covering certain um, just general guidelines, they might just go ham and start being that aggressive used car salesman in the house. Right. And then you've completely lost what the whole purpose of this was. Cause now you're not, I mean, sure. You're, you're, uh, average invoice might go up for a small period, but you might be, you know, pushing those customers away because they didn't like the experience. It's the same kind of thing with, um, I'll just kind of reference call centers. This is a little bit more, um, in our wheelhouse compared to what a lot of you guys will experience. But if you look at the typical call center metrics for what they value, it's not really, did I help the person who called in? Call it's times. How how fast would we get them off the phone? How long was the wait time? Um, you know, how many things got escalated uh, to management? You know, things like that. H how fast the, your your post note taking, um, which by the way is like thirty seconds at a lot of these places. Wrap up time. It's crazy, yeah. The wrap up time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's things like that, and none of those really you know, come about with conflict resolution, right? Uh, if there's escalations, like uh, another example, I'm sure many of you guys are aware of, if you, you call your cable provider, right? You're, you're you know, uh, Comcast, uh, and they have to send a tech out, right? So stuff like that will be monitored, sure. But it's just, it's not the things that really satisfy the end client and not helping them. So make sure that when you set up the kind of these processes, that you keep that in mind, right? You're not just forcing them to make quick calls, because that can have a very negative effect on, on, on the other end. So, yeah. And, you know, we're, we may touch on, um, best practices, you know, um, paying attention to vendors who do customer support really, really well, whether they're a relationship with service monster or your distributor. Um, it's, it's important to take the good and ditch the bad. Because corporate culture is an interesting animal. Sometimes they get it right. And that's what you want to take away. And then a lot of times they get it really, really wrong because they're just 
crunching the numbers. I'm before I started Service Monster, I had done a lot of technical work with call centers for years. And yeah, it was those metrics, call time and wrap up time, right? How many calls can you get your agents to comb through a day? And it's just about getting them off the phone. We went polar opposite to that. We said, we're not going to track call times. We want you to engage with the client. We want to give you the room to say, and how's little Jimmy, right? Um, last time we talked, you know, he, he was sick. Is everything good at home? Talking about their animals, right? Talking about their business. Business owners love to talk about their business. Giving our agents time to have that relationship with our client makes all the difference in the world. And our call times compared to, and I won't say other CRM companies because they just don't do calls, but other call centers um, like cable companies, phone companies, that kind of thing. Our call times are still not bad. You know, they may be double, but you're talking about, you know, five minutes versus two and a half minutes. Um, you know, we're not having a long conversation about the barbecue and, you know, talking about every single person that visited and what they ate, right? That's, that's not how those calls go. But you know when you're being rushed, you know when they're going through a flow chart, just asking you the questions to get you to do the answers to move you along the conveyor belt. Um, and so I, I would encourage you to, when you're establishing a relationship with your vendors, picking out the ones that you feel like you have that amazing experience with and then learning from them, right? Stealing, straight up stealing their ideas, how they answer the phone or how polite they are. Um, how they address an email, how long does it take them to get back to you? Um, anything that doesn't go right, how did they handle it? And using that as a model within your own company to strive for, to make sure you've got at least, uh, you know, a level of service there that approaches some, somebody that you admire. So, and we get that a lot, you know, wow, I thought I had great customer service until I started working with Service Monster. Then I realized I still got some, I still got some chops to learn. I still got a little bit to go. Um, and, and so do we, we, you know, we always do, but it, being intentional about it is the biggest key because your customers will sense that and they'll, they'll feel that. I think to that point too, um, not only you're going to learn, you know, just the, the depth of knowledge you'll get from those companies who present themselves in that way, but it's also going to reflect much more highly on you and your business. If the people that you you know are actively engaging with and people that maybe you have partnerships with and things of that nature, if that gets back through the grapevine, so to speak, right? If your users are interacting with any of them at all too, the more of that that they recognize, the more that they'll realize, okay, this business actually does take a, you know, a great stand towards these qualities. And so just one more kind of just... Um, I guess, note that, hey, this company really does take this seriously. And, you know, you're not going to have some of that negative, uh, you know, press in, in the future, potentially. So. Absolutely. I think there's, there's one thing that we, um, we gloss over a little bit when we were going, I love this, uh, this quote you brought up when we were talking about this, Joe. Um, when you're starting out, kind of a lot of this, when you're an owner operator is, is relatively inexpensive until you maybe get to the point where you're looking at maybe offloading some help with a, you know, a call center, like, like a pink collars or something like that. 
But like you said, there's some of those just really basic things, you know, your hygiene, just having, you know, a general being on time, having a general um, kind of just uh, work outfits, uh, uniform, um, just things like that are relatively inexpensive. And because you're doing this on your own, you don't have to worry about, you know, just the, the training process, obviously just, you know, the cost of, of, uh, of hiring someone and so forth. And you brought up this point when you're small, present big, when you're big, present small. So you just want to kind of touch on that a little bit, Joe. Yeah. I mean, it's Sun Tzu, right? And so when you're small, having great customer support, answering your phone, following up on your emails, doing what you say you're going to do, that all makes the client feel like you're, you know, a big established company. Um, and it's interesting because as you get bigger, if you're not paying attention to this, they feel that bigness and then it loses touch with the client. But if you have great customer support, you've woven in the fabric of your company, this customer support will then turn back around as your company gets bigger and make it seem smaller because you are having those one-on-one -on -one interactions and you're caring about um, what they do. So, it, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Art of War and it's something that you would consume one paragraph a day. Um, but that's a book that I often suggest people take a look at. Yeah. There's uh, kind of one other thing that you can do too, especially when you're starting out, but this works for everybody. Um, you know, making the both approval process and the payment process as simple as possible for the end user. Um, obviously you want to get paid, you want to collect that, you don't want to have any awkwardness in that situation. And especially in times like now, um, virtual interactions in a lot of cases can be much preferable than face-to-face. -face. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys are essentially cleaning empty houses, right? They're probably not as many clients are sitting around and, and sitting in that space with you. So. Um, we kind of wanted to shine a light on a couple of things that Service Monster can do that can help with that. Um, but we have two different feature sets. Um, one of them is the order approval process, and one of them is what we call the, the invoice page, which is essentially just kind of a payment um, portal where you can send a link to the invoice and uh, the end client can then pay for that on, on their own time. So Mary, if you want to kind of take over here for a second, maybe show these off uh, one by one. Absolutely. Yeah. So first, uh, we'll want to go into our marketplace. This is where you can find information about both of those pages. And we'll go ahead and look at the order approval first. So, you know, our first step, got to get the order approved before we can go out and do the work and then send out that invoice. Uh, so you can click on the order approval here. Here you can read some of its details. And then to configure it, you'll go ahead over into the configuration tab. And there'll be a link here that you can click on to get that started. Um, here here, you can also customize how long your link should be valid for, so basically how much time they have to approve or disapprove of it. Uh, and then it also lets you know here that in order to add this link onto a template, either in a email or a text message, you'll want to use the order approval link merge field. And there is a separate merge field for both of our emails and our SMS templates, so that is something to be aware of. To see what this looks like, we have a little uh, preview link here you can see. So here you'll be able to see your businesses details, um, the site address order number, and then the line items for the order. So the client can go in here and accept or decline. If they do accept, it'll open up a window where they can type in their initials so you can get their initials on that as well and then submit. And so then how this looks in the system 
is if we hop over to our order list here, you'll be able to see if orders are approved or declined from this list. So I'll be able to see on the side here, I can open up my order approval approved orders list here. And I can see I have a little check for each of my orders that are approved. And if I open up the order itself, I'll have a little tab here that says approved as well. So I can see that right on the order itself. Uh, you can also set it up to get an email notification if your order has been approved as well. And uh, as well as if you are just on the order page, we do have a dashboard here and here you can see if you have any unscheduled approved orders. So if someone's given you an approval and you haven't gone in and scheduled that work yet, you'll be able to see that in here as well. So that is the order approval essentially. And then we do also have the invoice page. So the invoice page allows you to set up a link that you can send out via text or email to your clients um, that they can use to follow and then uh, send the payment your way. You do have to have integration with authorize.net or Stripe setup in order to do this though. So keep that in mind. Um, but here again, we can open this up and then from the configuration page, again, you'll be able to enable this feature if you do have either one of those payment processing systems uh, set up with your service monster account. And then for this as well, uh, when you're sending out an email or a text to the client, you'll just be including a specific merge field that does um, turn into that link that you're sending out that the client can then go through and uh, send the payment your way. Do you want to show kind of an example of just pull up an email or an SMS tip yeah. and just show those of the merge fields? Totally here. I'll just go ahead and open up an order. Um, so when I go to, in this case, send the email. Uh, if I click on anywhere on the email, you can either open up a template to do this or just, you know, write out your own email yourself. But if I go to the advanced options button here, here I can scroll through all of my merge fields. And in here I have the order approval link and you'll notice I have one that is just the approval link and another that's for SMS specifically. So if you are sending a text message, you'll want to use the SMS one. Um, but for order approval, I can just click on that to add that in. And then as well, what is the... You might not have authorizer or Stripe oh, I, up here. Yeah, because I don't have the yeah. <laughs> set up on this account. I can't pull the um, merge field for the payment link. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, the kind of the, the, the to reiterate here, this is going to eventually, you know, save you guys time, energy, effort. Like Joe mentioned, if you're an exterior cleaner, especially, you can kind of go through this whole process virtually. Um, especially if you guys have something set up, um, you know, whether you use just flat out something like Zoom to just, you know, schedule meetings with the client to have face to face, uh, whether you have like a, you know, dedicated sales software, like maybe ResponseBit or something to kind of have recorded messages that go out, uh, whatever it might be, you can go through this whole process, show them what you're going to do, send them the quote, they, they approve. You, you know, schedule yourself to get the work done. They're out of the house, right? Or they're in the house and just never interact. You go and you do all the work. Another thing that Joe mentions is you can get, you know, some of the Google satellite images. You can basically estimate, you know, uh, how, how much work needs to be done, right? Uh, depending on where they are, how much um, data exists. And then finally, you know, you send that payment link. And again, you've never actually interacted face to face and, you know, you've gotten paid. Very good. Before we wrap up this uh, customer support segment, 
um, a while ago, I wrote a little poem called The Service Provider's Motto, and I'd like to share that with you guys. It goes like this. I will answer my phone, show up on time, be smart like a guru, educate my client, manage expectations, be fresh and clean, develop an intentional retention strategy, smile more and be sure to clean my equipment, and if there's a problem, do my best to address it. You do that and you will be so much farther ahead of your competition that everything else becomes icing. Well said. Michael, is there anything you want to chime in here before we move on to some um, some service monster news? Um, I think just one thing with, with customer support in general, um, you guys talked a lot about phones, but social media as well. Um, a lot of customers reach out on social media these days for an estimate. Um, depending on your business, that can be very time consuming if people are sending you lots of messages and that can, you know, obviously typing things out back and forth um, can take a lot more time than just a quick phone call. Um, but being very intentional with how you interact on um, social media, I'm big on, you know, spelling and grammar kind of stuff just because that's like part of my job. Um, but just being very intentional with how you're communicating, writing, um, what kind of language you're using. Obviously, I think anybody knows texting of any form. Uh, things can be misconstrued very easily. Um, and when you're interacting with clients like that, you just want to make sure that everything you're saying comes across very professionally, very respectfully. Um, so yeah, that's just another aspect of uh, having good customer support that is important to take a look at is how are you managing um, those customer communications over social media? And um, is do you have any sort of like uh, standards in place? If it's you doing it yourself, obviously it's going to be kind of random throughout the day, probably like between jobs or whatever, if you're responding to someone. But if you have an office person who's doing this, like uh, you want to make sure that you have um, those same standards that apply to uh, someone using the phone and having those conversations with someone directly, you want to make sure those same standards apply um, over over uh, any sort of texting or uh, direct messaging on any social media platforms. So yeah, just something else to, to be aware of with this whole process. It's a great point and, and something I think I see done poorly a lot, especially during conflict. Again, it's really easy when someone shows up on your social media profile, Facebook or Instagram and says, man, I love you guys. Well, that's easy to come back with a, we appreciate you, smiley face, heart emoji. That's easy. What's hard is when somebody goes and leaves a one-star review and is a complete, um, whether they're a jerk or they have a valid case, it's almost irrelevant because it's your response that is going to be codified and placed on the internet, which has an infinite memory. And so, you know, it's easy to get emotional, um, especially owner operators. When they see something that, that they don't agree with, they get all pissed off. And then, man, those thumbs start going. That is a bad, bad indicator that you should uh, maybe not be making posts right then. Cool off, come back and approach it. And I've, I've said this many times, 
sometimes when you deal with somebody unreasonable in public, in a reasonable way, it gives you an opportunity to showcase how your company has empathy and how they handle difficult situations. I see those as opportunities for Service Monster to demonstrate what we're all about. And somebody will go back and read through that six weeks later and see somebody being a little bit of a buffoon, but you come back with elegant and empathetic responses. Um, whether or not the problem solved for that individual, I, I think about it like this. In situations like that, especially if you're playing with somebody willfully ignorant and it's a losing game, you're not playing for them. You're not trying to win their affection. You're not trying to win their confidence back. You're playing for the audience. You're playing for the people who will come back and read it later. And if you have that mindset when you go and respond, then you will have a better shot of approaching it in a way that makes sense and will better your business. Well said, guys, both of you. I think the one little thing that I would add to, um, which Joe kind of alluded to, is you don't want to just be deleting those out. Um, if there's something that is just completely, you know, um, inflammatory and, you know, you just, it's better for everyone involved to just not have that, then make your reply and, and get it removed from, you know, whatever your review platform is. But users in clients would much rather see those occasional blips and see like what steps you took to resolve that because nobody's perfect. Like literally nobody, every quality company on earth has, has had mis missteps. You know, people have bad days, you know, it's just sort of one of those things that happens. And I know for a fact myself, the vast majority of my friend groups, we are very wary when you see something like, you know, oh, there's 400 reviews and they're all five star with almost zero substance, which you can just tell that the company most likely went through, deleted a whole bunch of one, two and three star reviews and just and had, you know, general fake profiles set up and, you know, tried to get their rating up. It's very obvious, even if you think you're doing it well. So, um, yeah, I mean, in companies, well, and there's, <laughs> there's vendors in the cleaning industry who pay for this kind of stuff, who pay for false reviews, who pay for false follows just for the numbers, which is always, you know, it never made any sense to me. We know how big the industry is. You got, you have a video that's got 500 views on it inside of the carpet cleaning industry. And that's, a, that's a pretty chunk, big chunk of views. You don't have to pretend that you got 50,000 views on an RX 20 video. Everyone knows there's not 50,000 cleaners in the U S and that the average person doesn't give a crap about an RX 20. Um, and so you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Uh, and you certainly don't want to do it. Um, I, I would say do it at all. Um, because you're Adam's right. There are people who, um, especially the younger group, they can sniff that stuff out. And you're being clever. Oh, I, I have a 5% one and two star rating and they're leaving. You know what? Just let it be organic. Let the numbers be organic. Let the content be organic. And uh, that's just the best way you're going to perform overall. And yeah, address those concerns from people leaving those bad reviews. And, and sometimes it's silly stuff, right? An ex-employee uh, making up lies or whatever. And, and that's easy, like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have you in our database. Are you sure you're not contacting the right company? 
like don't necessarily air out your dirty laundry. Um, and, and you can make a case for it depending on how close you are to your clients and how much they know about you and your company um, by, by addressing it head on. Just be cautious and, uh, and always seem to always take the high ground. I guess that's where I'm headed. Always take the high ground. Yep. Stay professional, take the high ground, you know, don't go on the attack, you know, don't, you don't necessarily have to go on the defensive either. Right. Just like, like Joe said, you know, approach it. Like you're talking to everyone else who's going to be reading this and how you handle that. So very good point. I'm glad you brought that up, Michael. Me too. So with that said, um, we can move on to some service monster news. And, uh, first things first, we can talk mobile. Um, we had 1.3.9 released a couple of weeks ago. Um, so far, things seem to be going well for, for the users. We have a new trial experience that's, that's out there. I know a lot of you are current users. doesn't really mean a whole lot to you. Um, but wanted to kind of tease a couple of things that are coming down the pipeline. Um, one of them is, and I know if Alan's listening, I know for sure he'll love this, um, but we're, we've added the new order form to the account screen. And the only reason it's taken as long as it has is we really wanted to redesign kind of the order form when, especially when you're approaching it from this particular manner, because oftentimes if you're on the account screen, you're looking through the account history and you're creating a new order. A lot of time you're going to be copying at least portions of previous work, right? It's just sort of like the, you know, yeah, I just want the same work that I had last time. Yeah. Just do what you did last time. Right. And so we wanted to make that whole process much smoother so that you could easily kind of view the history, grab that copy it to new order and move on. So that's kind of the big ticket item that's, uh, that's coming down the pipeline right now. And we've also just done some UI UX improvements. We'll, we'll be doing this, you know, in perpetuity, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, there's some things like the schedule route selection will be remembered between logins now. That was a big thing that came through from a lot of you guys in Smug. Just want to save some time there. Um, you know, we'll continue polishing the UI on the new trial process. Uh, the recurring appointment reminders will now show on the schedule so that, uh, you know, if you're an admin manager level, super technician level user, you can see that on any of the routes. And if it's assigned to your route, then you can also see that if you're a technician, just those reminders are there, right? And so if someone, if it misses, slips through the cracks, maybe at the office, be like, oh, this is a reminder for John to get work done. Does someone need to contact him? Well, there you go. And then there's just uh, a, a plethora of just kind of small things that'll be kind of added to that. Uh, there's some other kind of, I guess, behind the scenes things we don't want to talk about too much right now, um, but uh, Joe has hinted, we have discussed this in the past, there is some work going on on the, on the tablet schedule as well. So no, no release date for that yet. I don't want to get you guys you know, too excited too fast, um, but there are some really cool things coming out of the pipeline. So on desktop, we've had um, a few minor releases in the last uh, week and a half, just trying to address some issues and also just kind of some cleanup that uh, one of our devs was able to make to the dark theme. Um, the big thing is we mentioned this on the last podcast, but the dark theme schedule version 2.0 and the drip campaign screen, those have finally been um, polished and are themable now. So, so the dark theme will look much improved on both of those screens. And so any of you who are dark theme users should have noticed that um, it's a drastic improvement. We also 
had a final attempt at addressing the login screen issue that a lot of you have been running into where you, there's a gray screen when you first kind of go to the login screen and, you know, refreshing sometimes wouldn't help. The easiest way would be to minimize and maximize the window to redraw it. And obviously it's not, you know, the worst thing in the world, but it is super annoying when you're trying to log in and you got to refresh every time. Right. So we've been attempting multiple fixes at that. We're also looking at just redoing the whole login process, but Luckily, this last fix seems to have addressed the issue. If any of you guys are listening and you have still encountered that, please let us know. We have not internally. Um, I reached out in Smug as well. So please let us know if that is still happening. Um, there are also some issues going on with opportunities, uh, and we have addressed those. So if you were having some of the intermittent issues where certain opportunities wouldn't open, um, that, that has been solved. And there's also been... Um, some things tied to the probability that we actually just redesigned how the probability field um, looks. So it's actually a slider. So if you're in the opportunity now, you can just slide that to whatever percentage you want. And it's much clearer when you're entering a new opportunity or editing the stages to set a default probability that those are percentage based. So um, we also are in the process of updating the web form schedule so that it keys off your business hours rather than the preset eight to five. Um, something that blew up into a little bit of a larger project than we initially anticipated, but it's something that uh, we've had in the pipeline for a few months now. I wanted to get that out for uh, the few of you who have been demanding that essentially on a biweekly basis ever since. So, um, but there's also been just a plethora of UI fixes and, uh, and bug fixes. And so Michael will make sure that so when this comes out, we'll have a link to the release notes. I hope you guys are all looking at that, those lists when they come out because we don't have time to list every single thing. If we did, um, all of you guys would just be bored listening to my voice. So um, be on the lookout there. Moving on to Smug. Uh, we had some, some really interesting um, kind of Smug posts this week. I'll start with the first one from Kim. Uh, she asked if there's a way for the system to auto send an email confirmation when a job is scheduled. And Joe was actually the first one who hopped in on this. The initial confusion was, you know, she wanted to use the drip campaign process in order to do this. Drip campaign process is um, primarily set up, first and foremost, I should say, set up for um, client retention marketing. Um, there are other things you can do with it, and there's going to be more, you know, coming down the pipeline as well you can do with that but it's, it was not designed to handle these appointment reminders. And that's why we set up an entirely unique system that handles this for you. Um, so I thought maybe it would be best if we brought Mary back in and maybe to show kind of the appointment reminders, how to you know create one, um, how to use them, and also how to just kind of navigate to the notifications themselves when you're on the schedule. Yeah, so uh, for this again, we'll hop into our settings. And if you haven't already, the first thing you're gonna wanna do is create a template. Now, appointment reminders can either be emails or texts. So these can either be an email template or a SMS template. Uh, you should already have a service monster made job comp, or, um, not job confirmation, appointment reminder, there we go, email template set up, but you will need to make your own SMS template yourself. So you'll have to hop into the SMS or the, excuse me, templates page here to set that up. Once you have done that though, you can hop over to the appointment reminders page within settings. The first thing you'll want to do here is go into your preferences and decide if you want the system to automatically create appointment reminders for all your appointments, or if you want to manually go in and decide which appointments will receive reminders. You can do that either from the quick ad or from the schedule itself. So make that decision here. 
click save. And then to create your appointment reminder, you'll click on the new notification set setting button right here. You can give it a name. So I'll say for this example, this is going to be a week before reminder. And then you'll choose what it is that you want to send and when. So I can pick between, again, email or text message. I'll say this will be a text. And then it will be seven days before my appointment. You can also set these up to send after the appointment. So you can set up like an automated thank you text or something that'll send out after your appointment. Then I'll choose what time it will send at. Either it can pick one time this will always go out at. So say this will always go out at 8 a.m. Or I can pick for it to go out at the appointment time. Then I'll choose who can receive this. So if it's going to be all customers, just residential or just commercial. And then lastly, I'll pick the template that I want to use so I can find one of my week before reminder templates here and click save. So now that I've done that, if I do have it set up in my preferences for these to automatically send out to my customers, uh, then any, any appointments that are made after I have set up this notification will automatically receive those reminders. If I have it set up in my preferences that I want to manually assign these, or if I created any appointments before I set up this reminder in the system, I will need to manually go in and assign these reminders. So to do that from the schedule, for example, here, we can hop on to the schedule and open up a appointments details. We can either do this by double clicking on the appointment or if you right click on it, you can go right to edit notifications here. Here, you'll be able to choose if you want to turn on or off appointment reminders, what email and text uh, or phone number those will go to. And here you'll be able to see all of the reminders they could receive. And it looks like I've already gone through and canceled all these. Oh, here we go. Um, you can go through and cancel these as well right from here. So if you don't want anyone receiving any specific reminder, you can turn that off by clicking the X next to it. So that's how you can do that from the schedule. Also, as you're going through the process of using the quick add and creating an order, which let's see if I can very quickly set one up here. So if I'm going through the process of setting up an order and scheduling an appointment, Right from here, when I go to the confirmation tab, there is an appointment reminders box right here. And if you check the box where it says create appointment reminders, here you can select an email address and phone number those will be sent to. And then when you click save and close, those appointment reminders are set up for that appointment. Thank you so much, Mary. It's one of those things that um, we typically recommend you do the, the, the automatic, right? Because once you get it set up, it's just in the background and going that way. But having the manual process will really kind of teach you maybe for like the first week or two as you're kind of just, you know, dipping your toes and rather than doing the full cannonball, it'll teach you A, how to edit those and then B, how, you know, everything's going to be set up for you and how they you know, are received by the client. So. And um, those are all automated, right? And so you can, there's so many purposes that you could use for this, whether that's uh, in a reminder or confirmation. <clears throat> and at the end of that quick ad, you have the ability to send a text or email confirmation as well. And so the confirmation is great because as soon as you schedule something, they get an email, they feel like they have some sort of receipt for the job that was scheduled. Um, with that, you can do all kinds of great things. Maybe, um, and I would suggest maybe a link instead of an attached document, just because attached documents might have a tendency to get filtered by spam and so forth. But if you have a link, which goes to a page which talks about prep 
Like what, what can you do for us before we get there? Are you moving furniture? You know, uh, are things need to be cleaned up? Do you have a checklist, especially COVID now? What, here's some safety guidelines that you might want to read about. This is a great way to get the client engaged in their own service. Uh, and so that type and level of engagement just puts you again, this customer's customer uh, focus on them communicating with them. Here's your confirmation. So your receipt of the appointment, uh, and then maybe a day before or a few days before sending them a reminder. Here's a dirty little secret. And, and Mary touched on it very briefly. You can also use these as email and text drips for future reminders about new appointments. So you can base it off the last day that you sent the, uh, the last invoice um, and and maybe six months down the road, send them a text message or an email saying, hey, new service coming up. Now, obviously, the drip campaign is really designed to do that, but you can set it up here as well very easily, and it does allow you to do a text kind of confirmation and appointment reminder for new work down the road. So just a couple little things that, that uh, could be very powerful for your business. Thank you, Mary. That was excellent. Yeah. Next post was from uh, Alan, and I really just want to touch on this. I won't go too in-depth with what um, the actual report is, but he was asking about potentially a new report that he thought might be useful to a large portion of the user base. Um, this particular uh, scenario, he's looking for average hourly rate per invoice. And the reason I wanted to shine a light on this um, is not because we have any you know, preference for Alan that we do like Alan and, and Audrey both. Um, but the, just the presentation that Alan has, he brought it to our attention. He's outlined exactly what he wants. Um, and he's actually talked with both myself and Brenda, who's our, uh, she, she builds all the reports in the system uh, about this. And the reason he posted it on Smug was so that he could kind of gauge interest from others, right? So see if this is something we want as a global report versus something that might need to be more specialized as a custom report for just him um, and his business. So I guess I just kind of want to highlight that, that if you guys feel like there's something that we're critically missing, again, Smug is a great place to post that and gather feedback. Um, just make sure that you're super detailed and you know, kind of the expectations are set that you know this isn't gonna happen the next day. Doesn't mean that we don't prioritize it and it's not important to us. So. Um, Always a big shout out to Alan or any of you guys who post things like this because we always want to be looking and finding those things that are going to generate value for all of you. So, um, this next post, uh, Mary actually already covered, which is perfect. Um, which I want to drive attention again. Kim had asked when a customer approves an estimate. I know it emails the office, but does it show on the SM dashboard anywhere or something easily seen by our sales team? Um, or a notification of some kind. So I mentioned um, the email. Mary showed where the email process is in the, the configuration there. But also, um, why don't you just hop over really quick to Mary here and uh, show again that on the main orders screen, there is a dashboard. It's called the in-progress dashboard. There's an unscheduled approved order section here. And so this whole section, the whole purpose for this is at any any time you can you can hop in here and see, oh, I've got two unscheduled approved orders. That means that they came in, I haven't scheduled any work or haven't scheduled the appointment to go do the actual work. So you can always use that dashboard to kind of uh, springboard that process. 
finally, we have a post from Andy, and I'll take some kudos here because I actually was the one who who uh, resolved the issue. But uh, he was looking to run a lead source report, but he wanted it for work orders specifically. If you guys aren't aware, the majority of our you know, lead source by invoice or just general campaign results or just marketing um, in general, they're going to be keying off of the invoice, right? The actual converted order, right? Um, but he sometimes in the busy season, he's booked out four, six weeks at a time. And so he wanted to be a little bit more proactive with their ad spend if he felt like there was something that was working well um, without them actually being an invoice status yet. So there's two things that I kind of showed. I won't go through the whole nitty gritty here. Um, and Mary will show right after this kind of how to how to go about doing this. But the first is if it's a simple kind of just process, you're trying to just eliminate just a few variables, you can do some filtering on the grid. So you can go to the orders grid, for example, you can do some basic filtering you know, by date um, or just looking at work orders specifically, if they have a lead source or not, right? You can sort those, you can search for a specific lead source, things of that nature. Um, you're not going to get too detailed, right? But if there's something just very simple there, you can use that filtering process. The other way, and this is what I would probably recommend if it's something you want to revisit on a relatively you know common basis, is create a custom grid view to essentially create custom reports. Um, it's a big reason why the data is stored in the way that we have it stored is so you guys can do filtering on this because we're never going to be able to generate reports that are going to fit every single business owner's needs 100% of the time. We want to make sure that we cover the majority of the uses that you guys need, and then we have things in place for you guys to customize that when needed. Um, so in this particular example, I created a custom view um, for work order lead source report, and I just um, added a couple of filters to be looking at the information that I wanted, and boom, at any time, I can now go to the orders list and I can show that. So let's actually let's hop over to Mary one last time and she can kind of show how that process looks. Yeah. So I am here on the order page. I can get here by clicking on orders and then the order list. Right now I'm looking at my approved orders. But to make a new custom view, we can click on the plus button right here next to the drop down menu. And here I can add in its name. So I'll say for our example, this is our work order lead Oop. source report. And then here we can add in our conditions or rules that need to be met. So the first one here will be order type. Do, 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 do. And equal to, and then we can type in work order. Then we can add in another condition for when it was created. Date created, and that's going to be between zero and 31 days for this example. And then lastly, we'll add an order lead source. And we can just have not blank or order lead source is blank. There's a quick, there's a little typo there. You had date completed instead of date created. Oh, um, thank you. But yeah, this right here, essentially when you use the blank or not blank, um, and we're using an or statement there, we're basically saying 
anything that has leads, like we, like we want to have all of them, right? We don't care if there's a specific type. We just want to get an entire detail there, right? And you can customize this to only show those who do have a lead source, right? So if that's something that you would prefer, and that's why I showed it in this particular manner is just kind of that easily um, filtered data. And so- Or a blank. And it creates a great little list to make sure that you're actually filling out lead source on everything. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you want to go ahead and save this really quick, Mary? We'll, we'll keep this up. Um, so two things, I guess, to, to finish for Mary. I'm so sorry I totally spoke over here. But the main thing is now if she opens up that dropdown list, this will now be saved up at the top. So there's a custom section up at the top. See the, like, um, the work order lead source report. So now that's just a standard view for you. You can hop back to that anytime. But the other thing is we just recently added, if you scroll down to the invoices section, in that same dropdown, Mary, we actually added a section for lead source undefined. Oh. And we actually have this in the account section as well. And it's for the exact purpose that Joe just said. If you need to do a little bit of cleanup, make sure that you're actually tracking those lead sources. Sort of a little reminder, you can say, oh my gosh, like Mary at this point. <laughs> Mary's not tracking her lead sources. <laughs> so, so that's added in there. Um, just as a quick help for you guys. And that actually came out um, just a few weeks ago. So. And it's kind of fun to use the breadcrumb too, right? Click on the order, go to the order, set the lead source, hit save, use the breadcrumb to go back and the order that you just set will drop off the list because that breadcrumb should retain yep. um, your paging, sorting, filtering, and uh, information, um, which allows you to then rip through a bunch of things very quickly. And yeah, the, the action that Mary just did is what we mean when we say yeah. breadcrumb. Basically, if you, if you click into something, um, it will create what we call breadcrumbs, right? From Hansel and Gretel. And so you can return to the previous page by using that without having to use the back button. So yeah, the back button might not actually <laughs> work the way you want it to, exactly. um, where the breadcrumbs will retain, uh, things and allow you this nice little workflow just to go bang, 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 and, uh, address these. So yeah, it's, it's a very cool feature. It's one of the things that I enjoyed showing off the most in the onboarding process. There's a lot of times where someone just kind of have this like moment when they would be kind of like, whoa, I can, I can just set up quick custom reports and I can just set those up as a default and I can just go use those whenever. What? Yeah. So um, highly there's encouraging. There's hundreds of filters. I mean, yeah. there's just so many ways. So many, you can build your own grids essentially. Yep. That's exactly it. So, but yeah, there were some great posts and smug. I appreciate that guys. Uh, keep them coming because we want to make sure that you guys are kind of getting that value from this and learning new things potentially. So but that's all I got, Joe. Awesome. Michael, Mary, you guys have anything else you want to touch on? I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your attention and uh, we hope you get value out of these. Leave us a comment engage let us know if there's a topic that you would like us to touch on or a feature you'd like us to go over and until next time be safe